Good morning. Uh, it's so good to have Mark and Jenny with us. Amen? Yep. Even though Mark makes fun of me a lot, um, he wasn't here two seconds. I came over to greet him, and he was already making fun of me. He said that he heard that the preacher that was here helps everybody have a good nap during the service. So uh, go ahead and just lay your head over on your wife's shoulder there, Mark, and go to sleep. It won't offend me at all. <clears throat> so the candles, uh, first candle we lit three weeks ago was the candle of hope. Uh, last week was the candle of peace. This is the candle of joy, uh, but it's also called the angel's candle. And so we're going to talk a little bit about um, the angel's part in uh, the birth of Christ and uh, what they did and what they saw. <clears throat> I was thinking about um, a lot of people don't know a lot about angels. Um, there was a, a Sunday school teacher that was um, trying to find out from her children, the, the students in her class, um, what they might know about angels. So they, she asked about um, what they knew about angels and um, here's some of the responses that she got. <clears throat> One little boy said, um, I only know the names of two angels, Hark and Harold. That was one of his responses. Now, it's okay to laugh in church. I know it's got to be funny to laugh, right? But, but go ahead and be courteous anyway and laugh even if it's not funny. Um, another uh, little girl said, everybody's got it all wrong. Angels don't wear halos anymore. I forget why, but scientists are working on it. So they're trying to find out. <clears throat> um, another uh, little boy said, angels work for God and watch over kids when God has something uh, other to do. So angels are helping God out that way. Um, a little boy, Daniel, he, his theology has grown a little bit. He said, angels talk all the way while they're flying you up to heaven the basic message is where you went wrong before you got dead. So that, that was his theology. Uh, just a couple more. Um, uh, this little girl said, um, some of the angels are in charge of helping heal sick animals and pets. And if they don't make the animal get better, they help the kid get over it. So that's an important job for angels. And then this little boy had, or little girl actually had some real insight about angels and love. Um, she said, um, what I don't get about angels is why when someone's in love, they shoot arrows at them. So she, her theology was a little bit different. So today we're going to be talking about uh, the passage that was actually read um, uh, in our order of service. Um, and we'll read that in just a moment. But um, so I entitled this Joy to the World. We'll look at... Um, Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 14. Um, an angel brought the good news of great joy to the earth. Angels were created for the purpose of worship and service and appear throughout Scripture in pivotal circumstances, so it makes sense that they would be present at Christ's birth. Angels are significant to the Christmas story because Jesus' birth was like none other. Something truly miraculous happened when the Creator took on humanity as a baby. I think sometimes we forget that. I think sometimes we don't really realize what it meant for God to become man and to start out 
as a little one, as a baby, helpless, born not in a palace, but in a stable. The presence of angels served as a confirmation to the supernatural nature of Jesus' conception and birth, and the arrival of the promised Messiah that changed the course of history, bridging the gap between God and sinful humanity. Then I just quoted this verse, for there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man, Christ Jesus. So that's 1 Timothy chapter 2. So here's the passage that we're going to be looking at. Let's just follow along as I read it. You're, you're really familiar with this, I know. But just think about it as we're reading it. In the same region, there were shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flocks by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts singing or praising and God and saying, Glory to God in the highest. On earth peace among men with whom he is well pleased. So what I tried to do was give us a little bit of information about angels. Sometimes we don't know that much about them. Um, but there's a ton of information throughout the Word of God about angels. But I just picked some things. Um, each one of these sections, I tried to pick a Christmas carol that um, would help us kind of relate that. So this first section, angels we have heard on high. So angels, who are they? Um, first of all, they're mighty ones who do God's will. And you can see that in Psalm 103. In Psalm 104, and there's other places. Um, Psalm 103 says that angels are mighty in strength who perform his word and obey his voice. Obviously talking about God's word and God's voice. They're messengers to people for God. Um, you can think through the Old Testament. Angels came to see Abraham, came to see Lot, came to see Daniel. New Testament, Peter, John. And you can see some of the verses that talk about um, uh, uh, angels as messengers of God. Um, they're ministering spirits for comfort and encouragement. Again, you can think through the Old Testament. Uh, Elijah, Daniel. Uh, angels came to encourage Jesus um, after um, uh, the time in the desert, uh, during his temptation. Um, angel came to Philip, to Peter, to Cornelius, uh, um, uh, a Gentile, soldier that uh, an angel came to him for comfort and encouragement um, they're masters of worship you see this obviously throughout all of the scriptures um, all angels worship some angels worship all the time you can see that both in um, Isaiah and you can see it in Revelation there's angels that worship all the time that's all they do they worship all the time holy 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 is the Lord God Almighty. We'll see that in just a few moments also. And then there's myriads and myriads. The highest number that the Greek language has is thousand, 10,000. 
Um, and so the way that the writers of Scripture tried to uh, help us to imagine how many there is, basically myriads upon myriads upon myriads. One um, uh, place in Scripture in uh, Hebrews chapter 12 um, the same Greek word is translated innumerable. So in other words, there's so many angels that they're beyond our number system. There, we don't know how many there are. Um, so there's myriads and myriads of angels. And then they're called by many names. We see them called angels of God. We see them called sons of God. We see them called sons of the mighty, heavenly host, holy ones, holy watchers in Daniel. Um, rulers in Daniel 10, heavenly beings, and there's some other names also that they're referred to. And then the angelic choir. Now, there's several different places in Scripture where this angelic choir, I don't know that it's the same uh, angels that, um, that are there. If it's a mixture, um, I don't know. I don't know that it's the same ones, but there's different places in Scripture where we see that there's this angelic choir that sings in these different events. One of them was at the creation of the earth. Um, Job, in Job 38, let me just read you that. This is God talking to Job, and this is what he says. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who set the measurements since you know? Or who stretched out the line on it? Or what were its bases sunk? Or who laid its cornerstone? And this is the part. When the morning stars sang together and all the sons of God shouted for joy. So when God created, the angels were there worshiping God and singing and um, acknowledging God's power and God's person and who he is. So they, they, were, they were there at creation. They were obviously there, as we see today, that they were at they were there at his birth, at the at the Lord Jesus Christ's birth. Um, we'll look at that a little closer. That's Luke chapter two again. And then there's the worship. They worship God continually and without ceasing. Um, this is just a little part of Revelations chapter four, verse eight. Around the throne, day and night, they do not cease to say, "Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty." who was, who is, and who is to come. So that first part gives a little bit of information about angels. The second section I called, Hark the Herald Angel Sings, an angel made the announcement of Christ's birth. And we see four different times that an angel comes. To Zacharias, um, Elizabeth was his wife. Zacharias was a priest. Um, and it was his turn to be in the temple and um, to go into the holy place. Um, and he was there, and an angel, and it specifies which angel, Gabriel, came to him. This is in Luke chapter 1, verses 13 through 19. Um, he comes first to tell him that he's going to have a child. Um, Zacharias and Elizabeth, his wife, were older. They'd been praying for a child, and their child was going to be John the Baptist. That was who... John the Baptist's parents was. Um, and he was going to be the forerunner to the Messiah. That's what he tells him. That's what the angel tells him in Luke chapter 1, verses 13 through 19. He's going to be the forerunner. He's going to be the one who was prophesied to come in the power of Elijah. And so he tells him, and in the midst of that, 
he, he tells him that he's going to be the one who's going to go before the Messiah because the Messiah was going to be born in the near future. Then, then Gabriel came to Mary. We know that story. We're very familiar with that. Um, let me just read to you what um, it says out of Luke. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God. So Gabriel came um, to Zacharias. Gabriel came to Mary. Came to her in the sixth month. Um, was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph of the descendants of David and the virgin's name was Mary and coming in he said to her greetings favored one the Lord is with you but she was very perplexed at this statement and kept pondering what kind of salutation this was the angel said to her do not be afraid Mary for you have found favor with God and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you shall name him Jesus. He will be great. He will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and his kingdom will have no end. A little later on, he says, she questions that, well, how am I going to have a child when I'm a virgin? And that's when he tells her, that the Holy Spirit will come over her and he's the one um, who will impregnate her. So we see that um, Gabriel comes there. Now to Joseph, an angel comes, well, we don't know which one. He doesn't name that one. But I think we can assume that it was probably Gabriel also, since he was going around telling about this great news. Probably it was um, also Gabriel. This is what it says in Matthew chapter um, 1. Uh, verses 18 through 23. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream or in a vision, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall come, shall be with child, and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. So we see the angel made the announcement to Zacharias, made the announcement to Mary, made the announcement to Joseph, and then we are going to look at today in our passage that they also, that an angel, again, probably Gabriel, doesn't name the angel, that comes and gives this announcement to the shepherds. The second part of this is the angel announces this good news of great joy. Again, as you're thinking about that passage, the angel appeared suddenly and unexpectedly and stood before them, the shepherds, shining with heavenly glory. They said, he said, do not be afraid. It's interesting that the word there in the Greek is mega phobos. We get our word phobia from that, so it's fear. Literally, it's they feared a great fear. 
And then there's a play on words here because he uses those same words to tell them about this great joy that they should have. So they, he said to them, do not be afraid, for I bring you good news of great joy, mega chero, the word chero there in the Greek um, is the word for joy. So this mega joy, and the word mega, the Greek word mega, signifies a degree of uh, an intensity of the joy. In other words, uh, this good news that will bring great, abundant, and overflowing kind of joy. So this is the angel that made the announcement um, to the shepherds. Now, what else did he say to the shepherds? Why did he say this? What was the purpose of this? We see in the, on that backside of your notes there, he says, which will be for all people. So this great news of, good, of the joy is for all people from the lowest strata. So who did he come to? He came to the shepherds. The shepherds were probably the lowest strata of, um, of the people of Israel. They were the most looked, looked down upon. In fact, um, they couldn't even give testimony. They couldn't call them because they weren't trusted. But what, what the angel is saying is this one that's come, he's for everybody. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter how low you are amongst people. It doesn't matter how much sin you've committed. Um, goes all the way from shepherds all the way up to the Gentiles, which were these magi that would be coming in two years, and everybody in between. Um, anybody who would receive this newborn king and Messiah. And you think of the most famous verse in the Bible, for God so loved who? The world. So God loved the whole world. He sent his son for the whole world. He sent his son to pay the penalty for those who would receive him. They're going to experience this exuberant kind of joy. The next thing he says is, born to you a savior for today in the city of david there has been born to you a savior who is christ the lord a savior is a deliverer or a redeemer the angel gabriel had told joseph that his son whom he was to name jesus would save his people from their sins we just read that when simeon who was another priest when um Joseph and Mary brought Jesus on the eighth day. He was eight days old, came to dedicate him at the temple and get him circumcised at the same time. Um, Simeon was the priest that was there with, that was holding the baby Jesus. And this is what he said. At, at Jesus' dedication in the temple, when Jesus was eight days old, Simeon praised God and said this about Jesus. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples a light for revelation to the gentiles and the glory of your people israel and then in john later on in john in verse or chapter four when jesus had visited the the woman at the well and had that conversation she'd gotten saved she went into the city and told everybody hey there's somebody out there that knows everything about me and uh, they believed, and then a lot of people from Samaria went out there, talked to Jesus, and they said that this is, they called Jesus the Savior of the world. So this one that was born had a purpose. His purpose is, is that he's the Savior 
of the world. And notice he was not only for Israel, but he's for all people. He's for Israel, he's for the Gentiles, and he's even for the Samaritans. Samaritans were half Jew and half Gentile. Um, when uh, the northern kingdom uh, was taken into captivity uh, in about 700 B.C., um, there were Gentiles that came in. The Assyrians brought some people into the northern part of Israel, if you can picture that in your mind. Um, and they intermixed, they intermarried, and that's where the Samaritans came. And remember, the Samaritans weren't very well liked by the Jewish people. Um, they would avoid even going through Samaria. It's really interesting that in this passage, he would name all three of these people, these people groups, Jews, Gentiles, Samaritans. Jesus came for all of us. Jesus came to be all of our Savior. It's just in the receiving him, accepting him, believing that he truly is. And that's the next thing that he says here, is that he is both Christ, which is another word for Messiah. He is both Christ and the Lord. Israel's Savior in the Old Testament, he was always called the Lord. Um, the Lord, that word means master. It means king. It, it's, the, it's the name of Jehovah. Jesus is the Jehovah of the Old Testament. So Jesus, the Messiah, came to be Lord of people's lives, to be the Savior of people. And again, it's all in the receiving and believing about who Jesus is and why he came. He came to die. He came to die for our sins. He came to pay that awful penalty that we deserve to pay because we're all sinners. That's what Romans says. We all have sinned, for everyone has sinned and falls short of the glory of God. So we were all sinners. He came to die to take the penalty that we deserve to take. So he's both Christ, he's both the Messiah, and he's the Lord. And then the angel goes on to say, and he's going to be assigned to you, a babe in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. Assigned to you. The word sign there has the idea of something that distinguishes one person from another. Then this was a reminder. Even, even the um, shepherds knew about this coming king. They knew about a Messiah that was coming. They didn't know when he would come. Um, they didn't know that, that anybody was even being born in Bethlehem until the angel came and told them. So the angel reminds them of the promise that the Messiah, a Messiah, was going to come. So when you go, this is going to be a sign for you. It's a reminder of the fulfillment of what we talked about last week out of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 6. Unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. This child laying in a manger, he's laying in a manger, he's not in a palace. As I was thinking about that, I thought about this verse out of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, that is, though he was God, though he had all the character of God, though he was the second person of the Godhead, though he had been in heaven, he'd been in the realms of glory, he'd been worshipped by all the angels, he's actually the one who did the creating. Though he was rich, he had everything because he's God. Though he was rich, he became poor for our sakes. That is, he, he didn't lose his deity, 
but he's laid aside his deity. Philippians chapter 2 says that the outward manifestation of who he really was, all the glory, everything about him, he laid that aside. He didn't get rid of it, but he laid it aside so that it wasn't seen. So he looked like any other person when he was born. He looked like any other baby when he was born. But he did that so that he could take on humanity. He could be the, become the mediator between God and man, and he could die in our place for our sins. So you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes or for your sakes he became poor, that through his poverty we might become rich. That is, we get all the blessing and benefit and joy of salvation through Christ. And then the third section is angels from the realms of glory. I thought afterwards it would have been so cool if we could have, um, can you use the word cool in church? I guess you can. Um, it would have been so great um, before each of these sections if we would have just sang those songs because they would fit perfectly to remind us that the angels came to show that this is a supernatural occurrence. They came to worship the God who was doing this. And what did they sing? They, they said, glory to God in the highest. A multitude, which it was an unknown number, but representative of the mo momental, monumental occasion. So we don't know how many angels were there. Um, I love it. Both the individual single angel, again, probably Gabriel, came. Suddenly he appeared to the shepherds. And then after he was done talking, suddenly a bunch of angels, you didn't see him, oh, look, what's that in the distance? No, they came, bam, they were right there, and there was a huge number, and they began to sing, and they said this first, glory to God in the highest. They were praising God with the highest glory that can be given. These angels intimately know both the Father and the Son that has been given, and the purpose of this unimaginable grace. So I didn't include this in your notes, but I, afterwards I was thinking about the angels. They know their creator. They know that, that this person, Jesus, that's his human name, who was born, is the second person of the Godhead. He's the creator God. They know their creator. They know the purpose of Jesus' birth. That's why they're there. They know the sinfulness of mankind. Angels have been around a long time. They're very observant. They know. They know how sinful we are. They know how far away from God we are. They know how much, according to Scripture, how we hate God, how we, how we displease God with our activity, how far away from God, how our mind has been darkened, and all the different things that the Scripture said. They know that we're sinners. They know that he was born to be the sacrifice for sin. They know that. They also know God's plan to save sinners. That's why they were rejoicing. And they're amazed. They're amazed at the grace of God. You see, angels never have to experience the grace of God. Because they they, those angels, there's elect angels that don't sin. The ones that did sin, they don't get to experience the grace of God. They're demons now. 
But angels are looking, and we're going to see that they long to see, they long to understand in a more deep way about our salvation. So the first thing that they say is glory to God in the highest. And then, he's, then they say, on earth peace to men on whom his favor rests. It's not peace on earth. They're not saying that. That will not happen until Christ's second coming during the millennium. That's when Jesus, when the Prince of Peace comes and he's the ruler, there's going to be peace on earth. But what he is saying is peace for men, women, for mankind, for those on whom God's favor rests, which means those who receive and are delivered by the Savior. The ones whom God's favor rests are those who accept Christ as their Savior, who believe the reason that he came was to die for their sins, to die for my sins. That's the ones that can experience peace, as we talked about last week. That's the ones who can experience the joy of our salvation. I added this little section because I think it's important that we know and understand because of angels know so much they really do um, and they're curious there's something that they don't fully understand and that's why God would save us why would God save people that don't love him why would God continue to bless people give us common grace I mean even people that they're not Christians, they don't go to church or um, they don't care about the things of God at all. God still lets them enjoy marriage and children and, and um, having a good job or their finances or the way the Bible says that he lets it rain on the just and the unjust. I mean, everybody gets air to breathe, right? You don't have to be a Christian to be able to breathe the air, right? You don't have to know God. So God, there's a common grace that that the angels are amazed because they know how holy God is. They know how righteous God is. They know how just God is. And they're amazed at God's mercy that he has on all of us. Angels seek, this is what 1 Peter 1.12 says, angels seek to understand and more, more fully our salvation. I'm not going to read the whole passage, but this is the, the gist of it. As to this salvation, Peter says, and you can go ahead and read uh, 1 Peter 1.12 later and look at the surrounding verses. As to this salvation, the salvation that we have, the salvation that humans have, things into which angels long to look. The idea they long to look is they want to gain a clearer picture. The word look there is the same word that was used when Peter and John looked into the tomb. They stooped over, they bent low, they were intense. They were looking, they were, they were putting things together. That's what the angels, they longed to look, they longed to understand the grace of God. They longed to understand why would God save, like the writer said, a wretch like me? Why would he do that? Angels longed to look, they longed to understand. The angels announced and rejoiced at Jesus' birth. They ministered to him in his life. They were at the empty tomb 
and confirm the resurrection. They appeared at Jesus' ascension and reminded the disciples of his promised return. And they'll be there at his second coming. The Apostle Paul said that God displays his grace and wisdom in our salvation to the angels through the church. Isn't that amazing? Let me read you that verse. So that the manifold grace or wisdom of God might now be made known through the church to the rulers and authorities in heavenly places. The angels are learning something about God through watching how the church functions, how saved people live, how we interact with each other. They're learning about God's grace and his wisdom, manifold grace, many colored grace, different ways that God presents that grace to us. The angels are learning that. And angels rejoice in heaven when anyone repents and accepts salvation through Christ. There is joy, as this is what the verse says, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. One sinner. Just think of how much rejoicing has been going on in heaven because there's a lot more than one sinner, including all of us, that there's been rejoicing over. So to kind of put this together for us today, um, I thought of these verses out of um, 1 Peter in talking about our salvation. And I was thinking, if the angels rejoice, how much more should we be rejoicing about our salvation? When David had sinned with Bathsheba, one of the things that he prayed in his confession is that he said, bring back the joy of my salvation. There should be a joy that's supernatural. The Holy Spirit produces joy in our life, right? The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, etc. So this is what Peter said. Talking about us as believers who are protected by the power of God through faith for salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. That is, the fullness of our salvation. We experience salvation now. We experience that joy, but there's a fuller aspect of it when our bodies are redeemed, when our minds are redeemed, when we don't have anything that's blocking uh, us really understanding about who God is and what our salvation means. As we were on our way, we, we were praying on our way here. I had my eyes open, by the way, when I was driving, just to let you know. Um, I trust the Lord, but not that much. Um, and I was just thinking about our salvation and the, the joy that we should have. How joyous should we, should we be that we have an eternal destiny in heaven? Um, we need to be praying for David. Um, he's on those last few days of his life. Dick's brother. Um, but he's a believer. And so we know that when he leaves this life, he's going to the fullness of his salvation. This is what Peter said, talking about us, talking about our salvation. 
who are protected by the power of God. That's the first thing we need to give thanks for, is that you and I are protected by the power of God. Nothing is going to happen to us that isn't on God's calendar and in his will for our lives. He protects us from anything that is not according to his will. We are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time, the fullness of our salvation. Now listen, in this, you greatly rejoice. That should be our response to knowing that our salvation that's going to be fully revealed, whether it's through our, our death or through Christ coming back, um, whatever way it's going to be, our, the fullness of our salvation is ready to be revealed and we should greatly rejoice. Even though, for a little while if necessary, you've been distressed with various trials. So that the proof of your faith be more precious than gold, which is perishable, even though tested by fire, may be found, here we go, to result in the praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. And though you have not seen him, you love him. Can you say that? Though you've not seen him, you love him. And though you do not see him now, but believe in him, here's that joy again, you greatly rejoice with joy inexpressible and full of glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. Let's pray. Father, your word is so amazing. Thank you for the truth about our salvation. Thank you about for the truth about the grace that we stand in because we're your child, because we're in Christ. Thank you, Father. Help us to rejoice every day as we look into your word, as we think about your word, as we think about our salvation, even in the midst of the daily toils of life, even in the midst of the difficulties that every one of us go through, help us to rejoice in this so great salvation that we have. Father, I pray that if there's someone here today that they're, they're unsure of their relationship with you, they're unsure, they're, they're not for sure, I pray that they would talk to one of us, myself or Dick or, or, or Pastor Mark, um, someone that, that could just affirm to them about this salvation and just affirm. Maybe they just need the assurance of salvation. We just pray, Father, um, this is too important to not talk about it. And I pray, Father, if there's someone here, give them the courage to talk to one of us so that we could share this great salvation and again, confirm their relationship with you through the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we love you, and we love your son, and we are just overwhelmed at what you do for us and how much you love us and the links that you've gone to save us 
to make us your child, to give us a place in heaven, a place in your son's kingdom. And we're going to be there forever and ever and ever. Father, we thank you. Help us to experience the joy of our salvation, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.